Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the sunlight. All right, let's stand, hold your Bibles up high. Not bad for drenched people, yeah. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, 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 in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, if I get through today's message, this will be the last sermon on time. Um, This is probably the big one for me. It's called magnifying uh, the right things with the time that you have. Uh, This last song is kind of indicative of that, magnifying hope, magnifying strength. So much of worship is to shift our thoughts from the distractions of the week, the difficulties of life, uh, to a a healthy way of thinking, which is God is my hope, God is my strength, and that we magnify Him. Uh, When I first came into uh, the charismatic movement, if you will, uh, way back in the late 70s, early 80s, I had come out of a very rigid religious church. And uh, so I, I began going to this church, and they were singing then what were, were called worship songs. I went from hymns to worship songs. Now, don't get me wrong. Hymns are a part of worship, but we didn't call them that. We just called them hymns. And so there was a song that I, I enjoyed tremendously. It was called, Oh, Magnify the Lord, for He is Worthy to be Praised. And I, those were not songs I was familiar with, and my focus began, well, we're going to magnify the Lord. Well, I've got this, I don't know how many of you have ever seen one of these now that we have, yeah, it's great, it's a magnifying glass. And my grandmother, when I was a kid, had one of these next to her chair. I didn't know what that was. I had 20-20 vision, man. I'm like, Grandma must be blind. And... Uh, Sure enough, she kind of was, and, but, but she would use this to read. And in other words, she would made, make the words larger. And, and because of that, it was real simple for her to just go through a book and read. And, and this one's even cooler because you can see it's got lights. I mean, this is the rock and roll version of magnifying glasses. And so I wanted to use this today to keep our focus and, and on, on what we're talking about because Every one of us have difficulties. Every one of us have conversations. uh, And every one of us struggle through certain things in our lives. And the more you talk about something, the more you're magnifying that which you're talking about. And whether you realize it or not, it grows larger in your brain, your thought life, and it becomes uh, controlling, if you will, of, of decisions you're going to make, thoughts that you're having. And so what I want us to do as we walk through this is to begin to magnify the right things. Now, our humanity uh, 
has this, it's instinctive, I guess, that guilt has a way of hanging on. It's, uh, it's the most incredible thing. Uh, so some of you don't think you're guilty, which is your biggest guilt, is, you, you know, we all have these things we've done. We say, I wish I hadn't have done that. I regret doing that. I wish I could take it back. And those things, all of a sudden, you know, you finally deal with them in prayer. You deal with them and you fight through them at, to some degree. And, and you kind of get on the other side of them. And then you run into someone who remembers what you've just forgotten. And they remind you of what you forgot. And they keep bringing it to the surface. They keep talking about it. And it comes back to you. Because they're magnifying that through a conversation. So if you're having conversations over and over again about something that, that you did wrong or something that hurt you, the more you talk about it, you're really magnifying it. And it's going to continue to get bigger in your life. You control your narrative, not somebody else. And so when somebody brings up my past... I often look and say, that's not, you don't have the liberty to do that, at least not to me, because I'm not magnifying that. I'm magnifying the miracles of God. I'm magnifying what God has done. I'm magnifying where I'm at right now. I'm magnifying what God's going to do. I'm magnifying all the things in the Bible. I'm not magnifying me. It doesn't say, oh, magnify Mark. Please don't. You'll find a lot of blemishes and wrinkles. And so I don't want to be magnified. See, the problem is when you magnify us, you get all the blemishes of humanity. So that's why we come together on Sunday. We want to magnify the Lord. If I magnify God on Sunday, I can just push everything back in my life that, that's, that's caused me trouble this week. I'm not going to put my mind on it. And so do throughout the week, you say, well, I can't just do Sundays. You're right. You have to do every day. You have to get up and magnify the Lord every day. And, and if, you, if you can't read your Bible... I mean, you can even get King James fine print, and it's going to jump out at you. It gets, I mean, it's kind of scary. Honey, I shrunk the kids. And, you know, so you, you, you have to be able to address those things, or else the things that you don't address will control your life without you even realizing it. When my father was growing up, he, he was born in 30. I think the Great Depression was right around that time. Does anybody remember? If you do, we will honor you as the oldest here today. Uh, but he, around that time, my grandfather was a sharecropper. Not wealthy at all, but he had this land that he farmed in South Tulsa. Well, at the time, South Tulsa didn't look like it looks today. It was country. And when the Great Depression came, people were bailing and going to California my grandfather lost the land that he, he was farming. And my dad uh, evidently recalled that because I had lived in South Tulsa at one time. And when he would come and see me, I, I noticed a difference in him. And so finally I said, Dad, what, what's the problem? He said, well, I remember when my, my dad farmed this and I was told about it. And they were very poor. And so he hated coming to South Tulsa because... Is all of a sudden it magnified the loss in their life. And so there are things, now please get this. If, if you're a type A or there's any type of arrogance in your life, what we tend to do is say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep facing it until I overcome it. 
Well, you know what? That doesn't make you great. Sometimes wisdom says avoid that, and that will help you overcome it. You don't keep going back to something and saying, I'm going to beat it. No, Jesus died for it so that you don't have to beat it. You have to receive it. And you have to use wisdom to stay away from things that are going to magnify your past, magnify uh, things that have hurt you, magnify people that have hurt you. There are people you don't need to be around. You say, well, if I'm a Christian, I should be able to be around all people. Even Jesus wasn't around all people. He picked out 12. He didn't just keep going around people. And matter of fact, he told the disciples, if you go to a town and basically a paraphrase, share the gospel, they reject it, shake the dust off your shoes and get out of town. He said, don't stay there and magnify the doubt and magnify the anger and magnify the hate. Now, God may have you uh, attached to someone you're leading to Jesus. I'm not saying that you're in charge. I'm not in charge. If God wants me to do something, I'm going to do it. But we have to be careful to not magnify things that cause pain. And, and the way you do that is you're not avoiding it. You're turning to Jesus and magnifying the Lord. That's why it's so important. People say, well, you know, worship music or the Bible, whatever. We use it as a way to, to feel better that we've done something that we think God wants us to do. Well, reading the Bible, God doesn't just want you to read the Bible so you can say, well, I read the Bible. God wants you to read the Bible so you can magnify things that are important, magnify things that are going to be a blessing, magnify promises that are going to bear fruit. That's what God wants us to do, and worship's the same way. It's not like, you know, when I was a youth pastor early on, I did so many stupid things. You ever, like, grew up and went, why did I do that? If I was a parent, I would have shot my youth, that youth pastor. But, I, you know, I was back in the day, you know, we had, back in the day, it was so funny, we had back masking, you know, you take an album, there's all the Satan rules, you know, or something like that. You know, playing it backwards, it was like glorifying Satan or something. So I bought into all that, you know. And so I, I made music this evil thing, you know, and basically music is amoral. Now, some of the words are bad, just like some of the books you read and the movies you see, but music in and of itself has no morality that we don't attach to it. And so I didn't, I just bought in. I thought, well, we're getting rid of all this secular, everything. And, and we burned albums and all that stuff. And uh, I look back and I go, wow, I was magnifying the opposite. If I would have just magnified the Lord, and, 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 you know, when you do that, believe it or not, you will draw people. If you, you magnify joy and peace and kindness and happiness, you don't have to tell people they're bad. They're going to see how happy you are and go, I want some of that. And so uh, what happened, though, in historically in church, and I think it's well-meaning, we talked more about sin than we did God. We talked a whole lot more about how bad hell was going to be than how wonderful heaven's going to be. We're magnifying things that, that I believe turn people away from God. Going, well, there's no hope for me. I mean, that's bad, but I, I know I'm bad, and I know I do bad things, and I, I'm never going to get to heaven, so... We've got to be very aware of what we're talking about, what feeds our soul, what drains our soul. And, and, and here's the thing. It's not just about eternity when I say this. When I say uh, there will be drained souls caught up when Jesus comes back. So how is that possible? Because they're believers. Do you know how many believers live empty lives? There are a lot of believers who are not excited about being believers they're just excited that they're not going to hell. They think they're not. They don't even know they're not. 
Now, you and I might know that only because they gave their life to Jesus, but, but there will be drained people, and right now there are people who are drained in their soul because they're magnifying something that's creating a hole in their soul for all the filling, infilling of God's Spirit to come into your life. And that's how come he said be filled. He didn't say you are full. He said be filled. You don't just put gas in your car tank once and go, I'm dry for the rest of my life. You keep filling it up. Why? Because you're using the fuel. Guess what? Every day that you live, you're using the fuel of God's Spirit in your life. And you have to continually be filled after a few. And that's why some people say, I can't wait till Sunday. Why? Because you didn't go to the gas pump on Monday. You didn't go to the gas pump on Wednesday. You didn't go to the spirit pump on Friday. And so you show up Sunday, and this is, I love it. I, I actually, as a pastor, we love it when people come like that. We're going, yeah, we're going to help you out. Well, guess what? It's self-serve nowadays. You know, you used to be able to pull up to a gas pump, a guy come up, and you're sitting there cool. And now, No, now you've got to get out and pump it yourself. Guess what? It was the same in the church. The church was expected Sunday and Wednesday and then Sunday and then a couple times a year revival. We were just pumping fuel into people. And, and the whole idea of ministry now is to teach you how to use the pump. Get yourself filled up. Keep yourself filled up. So I'm talking about magnifying things today that will keep you full in your life. And, and sometimes we get off in conversations, and, and, and this is very important that you think before you speak. Okay, if I start on this topic, I'm magnifying this topic, which means if I magnify, listen, whatever you magnify, you glorify. And we're only called to glorify the Lord. Now listen to this. Luke chapter 17, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus passed through uh, the border region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered one village, 10 men approached him. But they kept their distance, for they were lepers. Now, in that day, lepers were not allowed to be near people who were not leprous. They had leper colonies. That's where they lived. They were already infected with this, and they lived together. So they, they approached him, but they kept their distance. They shouted to him, Mighty Lord, our wonderful master, won't you have mercy on us and heal us? When Jesus stopped to look at them, he spoke these words, Go to be examined by the Jewish priests. They set off, and they were healed while they were walking along the way. Now, in that moment, what did they do? They magnified the words of Jesus. They did what he said. They heard it. They got it. It became at the forefront of their minds. And they set off, and they were healed while walking. One of them, a Samaritan... When he discovered that he was completely healed, turned back to find Jesus, shouting out joyous praises and glorifying God. Now, you have to understand, a lot of the Bible is, is mysterious if you don't know the history. Samaritans and Jews hated each other. And Jesus often used Samaritans to make a point to Jews. Because he wanted them to see this is not about your nationality. This is not about the color of your skin. This is not where you grew up. This is about being a good person. Even a Samaritan whom you hate can make a difference. And this, the only one that responded out of the ten was a Samaritan. Not a, and I'm assuming, based on this, there were some Jews that were a part of that group. 
who knows what other nationality uh, was a part of that group. But the Samaritan's the one that says, I'm going back to magnify the one who produced the healing. Don't know if the other nine went to the priest and said, hey, we're good. We're, we're, back. we're back in. We no longer have to live in the colony. We're going to move into another neighborhood. All is well. But the Samaritan decided, I'm going to magnify the one who changed me. If you are a Christian, one of the reasons you worship, one of the reasons you attend church, one of the reasons you serve, one of the reasons you, you read your Bible is you're magnifying the one who changed your life. Instead of magnifying next month's credit card payment, magnifying your mortgage payment, magnifying your car problem, magnifying your crazy kid. I didn't say you had any, but some other people might. You you start magnifying them, and the minute you start magnifying those things, you will lose sight. I didn't say you'll lose your salvation, but you will lose sight of the one who paid for your salvation. And that will become your bigger problem. So you have to keep your mind on him. A lot of this is fed by what people have done to you. And you forget what they have done for you or what they haven't done for you. You magnify that. Oftentimes when you don't like someone, it's because you have built a case in your mind of all the things they've done to you or the things they haven't done that they said they would do, and we forget what God has done for us. See, when you magnify what God's done for you, it lessens the pain of what people have done to you. But it's not easy to remove the magnifying glass and say, man, I can't, I can't forget that. I can't forget that. You may not totally forget it, but you'll be surprised at how little you remember when you start magnifying the Lord. And we don't magnify the Lord. We, we more than not magnify all the things that we've done to ourselves, somebody else has done to us. The symptoms of this are simple. Symptom of, of guilty people who are walking and living in guilt, anxiety. You find yourself being anxious Wondering, is somebody going to say something? Is somebody going to do something? What, what, what's happening next? I mean, yesterday this happened, and somebody told me that somebody said this about me. And you, and you get anxious, and you live anxious. Stress, sadness, all symptoms of guilt, feelings of worthlessness, low self-esteem, regret, loneliness, critical self-talk. I don't allow critical self-talk. If anybody around me starts doing it, what I say is, oh, I think you're awesome. I want to magnify who God made them. You say, well, it's none of your business. It is if you have to live with them. You know, that, it helps. That's, we're called to help each other. So when you correct someone, it's not like you're really correcting them. You're reminding them you're magnifying the wrong thing. Use your time magnifying things that produce hope and faith and strength and fullness. That's what we magnify. I don't give people permission to talk about what I did when it's none of your business. And what you did is none of my business. That's between you and God. I'm going to magnify who God made you. I'm going to magnify the gifts and skills in your life. 
I mean, I've had opportunity to magnify the wrong things, and I've shared this story before when at my previous church, I had a lot of golf carts, and they were like limousine version. And one day, a kid didn't hit one car. A young man hit two cars. And somebody came and said, well, we got some problems. And I said, well, I'm going to magnify the fact that he did it twice. What a gift. Most people stop after one. And I, I never said anything to the kid, never, never tried. I just, we just paid for it. Well, I'm going to magnify. He was trying. I'm magnifying the fact that he was serving. I'm magnifying the fact that he gave his best. Now, he never drove again, but um, <laughs> we magnified, attempted to magnify the right things. You see, if you live with somebody, I can promise you they do something that bothers you. Now, I, I'm, I'm not magnifying, I'm just addressing it. Rather than magnifying the one problem, why don't you magnify all the wonderful things they do? I mean, if you find one problem, here's what I want you to start doing. Start thinking, okay, what are the things I really like about them? What do they do for my life? And I promise you, you will quadruple, if not multiply ten times, things that you really like, which is why you're there. I'm, I, I, could, I could ask my wife to change one thing, and it's not really going to make a difference. It might make a difference to me, but it's not hurting anything. It just bothers me. But instead, if I start saying, you know what I really like about you? Now, all of a sudden, I start magnifying who God made her. And, and now, all of a sudden, it diminishes anything I don't like. Because typically, it's simply a preference. I read a book in 2014 called Loving What Is. And it changed my life. Because the lady that wrote it ended up, long story short, having a mental breakdown, total collapse, was institutionalized. She was so bad that they put her on the top floor of this institution with nobody else. She was that bad. And in that moment, she had this visitation. And the problem in her life was she was controlling everything and everybody. She had a family. She had children. She would come home from work. There would be shoes and socks and stuff in the living room all over the floor. And she would begin just magnifying all of the things she didn't like. Pick up your shoes. Pick up your socks. And just screaming and yelling at everybody, get it done. And while she was in that institution, she had a visitation. And when she got out, she realized what she had to do. So she started going home. And rather than yelling at everybody, she magnified who they were. Husband, children. They were family. And what she started doing was she started just going in. She'd pick up her son's shoes, take him to the bedroom. Her, the son, pick him, take him to the bed, pick up her husband's stuff. Now, husbands, before you get real excited and think she's a hero, you listen to me. What it did was she began to magnify her love for them. And when they saw how important those things were to her, they began to do it. Why? Because she didn't magnify what they weren't doing right. She magnified who they were. And they were important people. I don't like this. When I say this, it violates all of my human emotions. Because I want to go in and say, you live here, get it done. But what that does is that drains us of the peace that we have. When I start yelling and start making that happen, 
I start losing my peace and joy because I'm not magnifying God and what Jesus. Jesus didn't come and say, okay, I'm here representing your creator. And y'all need to straighten up right now. If you don't, here's what I'm going to do. You got this? Yeah, who's going to serve that? But all of a sudden, you see this Savior of the world, perfect in every way, comes to earth, and rather than magnifying our sin, guess what he did? He took it upon himself. He magnified his creation and said, I know you're better than this. And some of you right now may be fighting with someone or your kid, and I'm not saying that there aren't consequences. That's not it. I'm not saying this is a free pass. You can be an idiot the rest of your life, but you're not the one that's going to change somebody by yelling at them. It's a proven fact that many who have been incarcerated go back to prison because they don't know how to live free. They've been reprimanded. They've suffered consequences, but that wasn't enough because consequences can change your behavior for a season, but what changes your behavior for life is an internal relationship with Jesus Christ. You say, well, how do I stop? Well, one thing is, and I've said this many years, is that you have to um, stop explaining yourself. When somebody asks you a question, it doesn't mean that you have to answer. This is a problem that we have. We feel like when somebody asks, we have to answer. And, and you begin explaining, and as you explain, again, if you're not careful, unless God has instructed you to explain, because it's somebody that you feel is worthy to know, but most of the time, it's a very shallow conversation, and you start explaining, and as you do, it... it it makes the image of what you did bigger. So if somebody asks me a question that I don't want to answer, I simply either act like I didn't hear it, which at my age is very acceptable, um, or I just decide that, you know, I'm not going to answer it. And you say, well, isn't, isn't, that, isn't that disrespectful? No, it's called being protective of your own soul. You see, we, we, we have systematized language and we have cuss words and all that and we think they're really bad but some of the things I'm talking right now are worse than cuss words because what you're really doing is you're violating your own soul by divulging a part of your life to someone that doesn't deserve to know that or doesn't need to know that and so you can protect your I want you to protect your soul and and by doing that what you magnify is going to get bigger in your life it just is And so if you talk about something long enough, it's going to get larger in you. And you don't need that. You don't want that. In other words, don't always be talking about Egypt. If if you look at the children of Israel, the ones who were connected to Egypt didn't go into the promise. They were magnifying what they had in Egypt instead of magnifying what they were going to have in the promised land. See, and and rather than magnifying the Lord, 10 of them magnified themselves and said, they look like giants and we look like grasshoppers. They were magnifying humanity instead of magnifying God. And Caleb and Joshua said, no, we're going to magnify the Lord and we're going into the promise. Your promise lies ahead. A lot of regrets and disaster lies behind and leave it there. You get up and you start over. Listen, I I summited the church world. 
one of the top churches in America, if not the world. And I jumped off without a parachute. And I could lay at the bottom of the mountain or I could look at the mountain and say, I conquered you once, I'll conquer you again. That's what you have to say. I didn't magnify my problem. I magnified my Lord who already paid the price for my problem. But most people will try to keep you at the base of the mountain and say, never climb again. Nobody's going to keep me at the base of any mountain because my God told me I could speak to my mountain and say, get over here, get out of the way, be moved. That same God is speaking to you. Don't let people do that. Daniel didn't go, I want to know who told on me that I was praying three times a day. Who told on me? In other words, he didn't try to get the magnifying glass out and go, I'm going to find you, and when I do, I'm Daniel, I'm special to the Lord. I'm going to magnify the people that told on me, and now I'm going to have to go to the lion's den because of you. No, Daniel went, there's my God. He's going to make those lions my pets. He magnified the Lord. When you magnify the Lord, it makes everything around you smaller. It makes this bigger. And then you light it up and really makes them mad. I'm so glad I got to buy this for a sermon illustration. I could use it sometime, I'm sure. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego just looked at the king that told him, if you don't bow down when I do these following things, you're going to go in a furnace. And what they do? They magnified the Lord. Say, hey, you know, the Lord will deliver us, and even if he doesn't, The king's like, what can I do to scare these guys? Absolutely nothing. Why? Because they were magnifying the Lord. They weren't magnifying the fire, even though he said, now I'm going to crank this up even hotter. They go in, and it's like, uh, hey, uh, could you turn it up a little bit? We're kind of cold in here. And as you know, nothing happened. He looks down, there's a fourth man, and it was God down there with him in the fire going, no, nothing's going to touch you. And he realized who they were. They come out. They don't even smell like smoke. Why? Because that's what happens when you magnify the Lord. But when we start magnifying the fire, magnifying the tattletales who told on us because we were praying three times a day like Daniel, we start magnifying the the bad treatment by by brothers who thought I was going to die, Joseph, and throwing him in a pen, and all of a sudden now Joseph becomes a hero. Why? Magnify the Lord. Some of y'all need to quit magnifying what you've done wrong, the problems, who's done you wrong, what you didn't do right, what somebody didn't do for you, what you did to you. You're magnifying things that are going to destroy your life. If a person can move you, you've given them a level of power, which means you've lost some power. And you need all the power that you can get. And then here's what else happens. We start magnifying all the good things that are happening in other people's lives. Your neighbor, they got a new car. And they don't even love Jesus. Look at that house. They, I, that land, they got a new pool. Why don't I have a new pool? <laughs> and and you, you got your little magnifying glass out and you're looking at everybody else. Instead of saying, look at what I got. Scripture says in John 21, Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? 
Jesus answered, if, you, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Jesus was the real deal. Peter, what's that to you? Why are you magnifying what I'm going to do for somebody else? Why are you magnifying what's happening to them? Why are you magnifying that? You need to magnify the Lord. If somebody else is succeeding and you wonder how that's happened, you've been perfect, just like your mother said you were. You're just the perfect child, straight A's, never miss school, compliant. Aren't you wonderful? You make me want to throw up. Maybe because, see, I wasn't one of those. But the reality is, you had your own issues. They were just well covered. You see what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be mean, and some of you really probably are sweeter than the rest of us. But you don't have to talk about it. Just speak hope to us, too. Magnify the right things, and you will experience the right things. Peter, magnify Jesus. Magnify his mercy. God, give me mercy from your fountain of forgiveness. I know your abundant love is enough to wash away my guilt. See, he's magnifying. I know your love is enough to wash away my guilt. That's magnifying the power of God over your sin and over your guilt. You know the reason many people don't come to Jesus is because they've magnified how bad their sin is instead of how big his love is, how big his cross is, how strong his blood is. Magnify the things that set you free. Don't magnify the things that keep you bound. The regrets. And if you have somebody you don't like, guess what? When you see them, it's like you've got the magnifying glass out and you start hiding from them. It's, it's awkward. It's uncomfortable. I get that. But God is bigger than, than the division and the separation between the two of you. It doesn't mean you have to hang out with them. But don't avoid them. Because your compassion is so great, take away this shameful guilt of sin. Forgive the full extent of my rebellious ways and erase this deep stain on my conscience. And when you pray that, don't pick the pencil back up after God's already erased it. And you, God erases it and you start rewriting it. That's what happens when we magnify it can't believe I did that. can't believe I said that. can't believe that happened to you. God's going, you're going to wear the paper out. The only way I stay happy is to keep magnifying the right things. Like some of us in here, we've got a really good history. Matter of fact, if we got together, we could create a book this thick and it'd be a bestseller. Because people love Guilty people who live a guilty life love to read about other guilty people who have done the same things. They want to see more creative ways to sin or be stupid, whatever. And so they're looking to rewrite it. Everything in life, listen to me. This is in 2014, this revelation came to me. I grew up in a highly principled home, very black and white, very right and wrong. And this is the challenge in our world is we have lived our lives based on what we've heard is right and wrong, black and white. 
And in the church especially, when I served my first pastorate in a church, it was a Methodist church. Never been in a Methodist church in my life. I had to read the books to find out what Methodism was about, and I did. And guess what? I found out that most people on the board of that church had never read what I read. I found out the Methodist church had one of the, 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 the best bylaws and constant, I mean, it, I mean, it was amazing. Wesley brothers were incredible. And I, I actually got excited. And, and, and I started magnifying the things I could magnify in a church I'd never been in before. And the problem in our world is that, that we, we magnify how we worship, we magnify, and we call it right. We worship right implying that every other denomination worships wrong. And that's just not right. You see what I'm saying? I can get all caught up and preach against the Baptists, Methodists, Lutheran, Catholics. The list goes on. But why would I do that? There's no need to do that. That's the way they like to worship. And then you can say, yeah, but they don't believe in miracles. Don't put a magnifying glass on that. They believe in Jesus. Magnify that. That's how we all get along. You say, well, you're compromising. No, I'm not, because the most important thing in the world is that people have a living, breathing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the focal point. The focal point isn't whether you lift your hands or you don't lift your hands. And, and yeah, I want people healed, and I want people to believe in miracles, but if you don't want to, I'm not magnifying that. And so I started when I used to do hospital visits, I would ask people before I pray, how do you want me to pray for you? If you want to die, I will pray with you. And we will believe God that you will get what you want. You say, well, that's ridiculous. I can't pray against their will. I mean, I can, but if they don't get in agreement with me, they're probably not going to receive the prayer I pray. But see, I want them healed so I can go around and say, I prayed for them and they got up. Like some shallow 18-year-old football player that takes a pigskin across a white line. So stupid. I'm sorry. I, that's the only thing I hate watching. I was like, you're not great. You're just athletic. And you happen to not get tackled by about 10 or 11 other guys. Duh. So when we, we, we get all heroic in Christianity going, I can do this. No, God can do this. My focus is to magnify the love of Jesus Christ and the potential that God put in your life. I could address each and every one of us. I could preach against all kinds of sins. I could, I could have 80% of this crowd covered today in sin. I could just, I could just go down a list of, of, of things, and you'd be, how did he know that? Really? We're all human. It's pretty simple. Why would I do that? I want to magnify who God made you to be. I want to magnify the power of God, the love of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit. Open yourself up. To the Spirit of God. People need to be better having been in your presence. We're guilty of magnifying our prejudices instead of God's graces. Yeah, I used to have strong prejudices about worship, and I would meet with other pastors in hopes that I could persuade them that the way I'm doing is the right way. Not that any of you have ever done that. And I realized, I thought, what do we have in common? So in the Methodist church, they sprinkle. They don't immerse. They don't baptize. And, of course, that was a big thing. Well, you know, listen. And I'm thinking, baptism is not what saved me. Jesus is what saved me. Baptism was me identifying with him. So if I want to identify in a shower or a bathtub, does that really matter? 
See, here we go. I didn't mean to stir this pot, but I'm going to. And I had to adjust my thinking to go, am I going to magnify the fact that they sprinkle? Baby baptism versus baby dedication. Semantics. What we're really saying is, whatever we do with water or without water, we're dedicating this person to the Lord. See, it's, 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 and then we, we have all kinds of prejudices that, that divide us. I want to find the things that unite us. Now, that doesn't mean that, that we're all right. I, honestly, I, every day I get up, I am working out my salvation with fear and trembling. This is not like I've arrived and I got it all dialed in. I'm going, God, today I know that I need to magnify things that are going to, to elevate my life. And that's what I want us to do is magnify things. Some of y'all come to church and you don't like the music. The music's too loud. The preaching's too long, whatever. Magnify something like, hey, when I came through the door, somebody hugged my neck. Somebody here liked me. Somebody welcomed me. Instead, you find the one thing that this church is, I just can't believe it. The next one's going to be the same thing. You know why? Because you got your magnifying glass on things that trouble you instead of the one who fixed the trouble. That was worth a better response than that. So, am I a Christian? This is just a question I ask myself. Am I a Christian because I believe? Or am I a Christian because I work? Because the great thing now is, well, you know, Pastor, there are things we have to do. No, there are things we get to do. There aren't things I have to do things I get to do. So, we are called to bear fruit with our repentance, but am I a Christian because I bear fruit, or do I bear fruit because I'm a Christian? You see what I'm saying? Does works come before faith? The Bible says faith without works is dead, but I don't work to produce faith. I work because faith works in me, and I produce work. So we put the cart before the horse. They're both a cart and a horse, but which one's first? Well, the one that pulls you. The one that pulls you is your faith, not your works. And so now what we do is we often measure people by how they behave in our eyes. It's a prejudice. So I was talking to a person who I highly respect and think is a wonderful individual. I really believe he's a great guy, but he's an outspoken atheist. So why would you think he's a great guy? Because he acts like a Christian. If I introduced him to you today, you'd say, he is a wonderful follower of Jesus. And you say, what did you do? I had the most wonderful conversation, and I will have further conversations. I'm interested in what I ask him. I said, what, 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 tell me your story. And I will continue to ask that. And he's helped me not to not believe in God, but to have a stronger belief in God. Because I'm magnifying who I know and what I know instead of magnifying what he doesn't believe or what he doesn't know. You see what I'm saying? So the reason we hate people is because they don't believe the way we do. They don't act the way we do or they don't talk the way we do. In this case, he acts like we do. And I said, I hope I don't offend you, but you really act like a Christian. <laughs> Why would I say that? Because he does. I, I thought, you know, what a wonderful human being God made this man to be. He said, but yeah, but he doesn't believe in our God. Wrong magnifier. I'm magnifying the fact that he's created in the image and likeness of God just like me. And I'm going to love the hell out of him. 
And that's probably even wrong to say. I'm not sure there's hell in him. There's just a void. You see what I'm saying? And so we operate off our prejudices, and it separates us from having the capacity to help people become who God wants them to become. I need people to do that for me. I, I need people to see beyond my flaws. I, I, uh, years ago, I, I was on television and all over the world, and, and uh, one day I got a call from a, a young man in, in St. Louis. His father had pastored a church of 300. His father had died uh, his mother was not really in the picture there. They were divorced. And, and so when his dad passed, he had this church of 300, and it was left with him. He didn't know what to do. He simply was a pilot <coughs> excuse me, and, and flew his father from place to place. And uh, so he said, I, he called me. He said, I, you don't know me. He said, but I, I watch you every Saturday on television. And he said, everything you say and everything you do, I have mimicked. And at that time, I wasn't sure that was good. And uh, so he said, would you come and preach for me? So I went, 300 people, preached for him. And uh, we stayed in relationship. And then when everything happened in my life in, in 2014, uh, he, he, he was there. He called me. And he called me the next year. He, and he had me come and preach after I started preaching again. And, and uh, he just stayed there. He just magnified the Mark Crow he watched on TV and he called me last week, and now that church of 300 has turned into a church of 25,000 uh, in five different locations in two states. And he said, I still want you to know you're the reason this happened. He said, all I did was watch you preach. And so what did he do? Rather than magnifying my stupidity, he magnified the call on my life, and he hasn't forgotten. And, and so he said, I want you to come and preach for me again. And but, but the reason I share that is because, you see, I needed him I, I needed a friend that said I'm willing to magnify who you are instead of magnifying what you've done you see that's important to all of us and the first thing our our human flesh wants to do is remind somebody that hurt us of the stupidity that caused my pain instead of looking and saying you know what I'm gonna magnify the person God made you to be I know you hurt and I know you hurt me, but I'm going to magnify the person God made you to be because who he made you to be is still the person you are, even though you did not exhibit that behavior. You will save a lot more pain in life by making a right decision that came on the heels of a wrong action. You'll pay a very long time when you do wrong to the wrong that's already been done. You'll add a lifetime of pain. So be sure before you do that to magnify the right things. See, whatever you magnify, you dignify. Whatever you magnify, you honor. You're, so if you magnify sin, you're basically elevating that sin in your eyes and everybody else's eyes. You're dignifying it instead of dignifying or honoring God. You see, if someone's had an experience with Christ, but you don't think that their expression is satisfactory for you, you may question whether or not they really had an experience with Christ. Some of the nicest people I know don't know God. And that disturbs my heart because I want everybody to know Jesus. But if I magnify the fact that they don't know God, 
I will never be able to introduce them to the God that I know. This goes against the grain of everything I was taught as a kid in church. Stay away from those heathen sinners. They'll drag you down. Not if you're a strong believer, you'll elevate them and bring them up. We have to do that. I want lost people. I want atheists and agnostics in this church. And I want us to love people. The church has become a social club, a political rally point. I'm not going to be either one of those. We're going to yield our lives in this house to everyone that Jesus gave his life for. And we're going to magnify who they are, not what they've done, not what they believe, what they don't believe. Any more than I'm going to do that to you. This message was inspired to a large degree by a person who doesn't believe in God. Because I realized I'm growing. I will always believe in Jesus. I will argue to the point if there is no other way to heaven, I will fight that fight all day long. But if you'd rather take a shower than a bath, <laughs> get sprinkled instead of dunked, I'm going to celebrate the fact that you put your faith in Jesus. That's all I care about is put your faith in Jesus. All who call on his name shall be saved. And that you and I will spend eternity celebrating him and magnifying him. That's my heart. It's my goal. If I could say, they said, what's your one goal in life, Mark? Is to be able to love every person I come in contact with. Notice I said to be able to. <laughs> Haven't found that yet. <laughs> but I'm going to get there. Don't look at somebody and shame them before you embrace them. Embrace them and never shame them. Can't believe you walked out. Can't believe you haven't been here. Can't believe you haven't done this. Can't believe you haven't. Can't believe, can't believe. Oh, and good to see you. Yeah, I believe that. No. You have to let people know up front. This is okay. The only thing that prevents sin, mistakes, and failures from ruling my life is my faith in the one who had none of the above and paid for mine. That's the only thing that prevents sin and mistakes and failures from ruling me. Is I magnify him when I know that I have issues that I deal with daily. I have sins that want to haunt me from the past daily. I have people that remind me of those things regularly. And I can get mad at them. But why should I get mad at them? I should get mad at me for allowing them to have that impact on my life. You see, I can't change you. I can change me. I can change my response to you. I can't change how you address me. I can remove myself from that, and that's a boundary that I will create. But to get angry at you for being angry at me doesn't do any good at all. It solves no problem. So if you're angry at someone, don't sin and continue to be angry. Do the opposite of what you feel. Do the thing that you know. You see, those who knew, know their God will do exploits, not those who feel their God. I don't always feel the right way. 
but I do know the right thing. And I would rather do the right thing than feel and act on the wrong thing. Grace doesn't work because we work. Grace works because we turn to God. I can't work for grace. Can't earn it. There's nothing I can do. It's a gift from God. And I have to get up every day. And the days that that I get up and I I do something I wish I hadn't done. It's not like, man, i got to work hard to get that back. No, i got to stop and lift my hands to heaven and say, God, but by grace. By grace. I know you've already forgiven me, but I want you to know I acknowledge your forgiveness. I acknowledge your grace. There's nothing I can do to work my way back. Now, I, can, I need to obviously, you know, walk by the Spirit. I'm not minimizing what I need to do. So we receive it. Many people live and spend their entire lives chasing their losses instead of pursuing their future. That's why Las Vegas was built. People thought, I've lost, now I've got to go back and I've got to get more, and they spend more. You chase your losses. Quit chasing your losses. Let it go. Cut it away. Say, it's a loss. I'm not going to go down that pathway. I'm going to turn to God and magnify Him, and He will replenish what I lost. I can't go get it back, but God can bring it back. And that's what He's doing at Mosaic. God is bringing it back. And He will bring it back. And anybody who wants to throw stones at me, God is my shield. They will not hit me. I'm going to stay behind him, in front of him, around him, all over him and him. He surrounds me with a shield. I am surrounded. You're surrounded. The only way we get hit is when we step out from behind that and try to take matters into our own hands. Trust him. He's going to take care of you. Let's pray. Father, thank you. We magnify you today, God. I pray that everyone watching, listening, that's struggling right now with their own guilt, what someone's done to them, what someone hasn't done for them, the absence of those that they thought loved them, magnifying all their pain. I pray, Lord, today that they would stop magnifying all those things and magnify you, our Savior, our friend, our healer, our miracle worker, our hope, our strength, our grace, our mercy. Your goodness, God, works in us and through us. May we magnify those things. With every head bowed, every eye closed, there may be those of you watching and those of you in-house that you've not made Jesus the Lord of your life. And I want to pray a simple prayer. And uh, I want to ask you to pray this with me, all of you watching online. Pray it with me right now. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You see, that prayer and that faith opens your heart to Jesus. He comes and and he dwells in us. He's given his life for us. So if you prayed that prayer, uh, please, uh, for the first time, or, or to rededicate your life, text the word SAVE to 405-513-10. You can do it from right there at your home or wherever you might be. 405-513-10. Just text the word SAVE. And please follow through what, where that leads you so we'll know who you are and how to pray for you, okay? Uh, at this time, we want to receive our tithes and offerings. Um,
I want to uh, tell you very simply, the easiest way to give is the QR code behind me. You can put your smartphone on it, and it will walk you through filling out all the things you need to fill out to give. If that is uh, not something you can do, you don't have a smartphone, text the word give or tithe to 405-546-2226. And, and again, it will walk you through how to set that up on a debit card or credit card. You can do it 24-7, 365. Very simple to do. You can also give on the way out. And uh, you can also go to our website, mosaicokc.church forward slash give. Very simple um, thing to do. And uh, it, we appreciate it. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come to the left of the stage right now. Uh, if you need prayer for any reason whatsoever, I encourage you, as people are walking out, for you to walk up here and say, look, here's what I'm, I need a job, I'm going through a struggle in my relationship, what Pastor talked about today, I'm magnifying the wrong things, please help pray for me that my mind will be renewed and I'll magnify things that glorify him, not glorify my sin, my past, do that today, and uh, I believe it's life-changing. Also, you can receive communion. You can take it yourself, serve yourself, or have one of our prayer, prayer team members serve you communion. Uh, it's very important. Also, if you want to serve, you can text the word serve. Usher, greeter, parking lot, golf carts, whatever. Text the word serve to 405-513-10. And again, follow through so we get your name and your phone number, and we will call you and get you plugged in. All right? Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.